0: So let's shimmy on over and get started. Well, I've recently met today's guest, Lauren Winsart, at a recent concert, concert, God, conference that we went to, the Pop Your Business Conference with Beck McFarlane. So we met through a mutual business friend and Lauren and I got chatting and I'm really excited to chat with her today about how she does life. Lauren is an organizing and decluttering coach so I want to find out all about how Lauren does life but also some tips about organizing and decluttering. So Lauren welcome to today's
1: podcast episode. Thank you so much for having me Catherine and yeah it was kind of a a concert sort of vibe that conference wasn't it? (laughs) It
0: was a concert it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And for those, I might just do a really quick, I don't normally do this, but a quick plug for Pop Your Business and Beck McFarlane that the conference was really an awesome experience and connecting with people that I hadn't met before. So I love that we had chats, Lauren, and we have some similar things, approaches, I think, to life and to business. Oh so, yes. Tell me what's an
1: organizing and decluttering coach and how did you get into this? Oh, okay. How did I get into this? I mean, it's kind of a long story, so I'm going to try and cut yeah. it a little bit because it really is a lifetime that's led me here. It it's how I've always done life awesome. <laughs> that that kind of pushed me, you know, as a kid in school, I was always the kid that had, like, matching everything. I liked to coordinate my highlighters with my pens and my folder had to match and everything needed to be pretty yep. and complementary. And I loved the idea of schedules and timetables and making things perfect. Yeah, it's always in my head that it had to be perfect and if something wasn't working it was because I needed a better system. I needed something with more structure. I needed more to-dos and I, there was a perfect list somewhere, right? There had to be. And is
0: this and right from a kid? like said, Right kids? from a kid,
1: seriously. Very, very young and I'm sure that there's something going on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, I would think, I would think. Yeah. But yeah,
1: definitely from quite young that was who I was and it didn't always work out so well for me, <laughs> and as I got older, um, I had my children. I was only twenty-one when I had my first child, and so that meant that my plans didn't really go <laughs> as planned. <laughs> you know? How
0: kids and life can throw us some curveballs, and sure. often those curveballs, beautiful curveballs, but <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. And because of that, I was then, you know, as quite a young mum anyone who has had children knows that in those early days, you are all about tracking things and making sure everything's perfect and getting the timing right. And, you know, we become sort of obsessed with things being as they're supposed to be. Right. And then and also looking for ways to make things easier or get the most out of it or be better in some way. We're looking for that next thing that's going to make all the difference. And so I had you know, I spent most of my time going down rabbit holes trying to find the planner that will do this, or the new diet that's going to stop my son from being a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what what can I do to be better? Yeah, constantly. And then there's a lot more behind this part of the story, but it's it's quite heavy, and it's not all my story. So I'm just going to go with my mum got quite sick. Yeah. And at one point the decision had to be made to have her move interstate to be closer to our extended family. And I was left to pack up, declutter her whole house. Oh my
0: gosh, I've got goosebumps. I can feel, I can feel that, but we'll talk more about, yep. Yeah. You yeah. Story, yes.
1: Yeah. That's okay. Mm-hmm. So mum had a three bedroom house with a garage and it was packed. Mm. now it wasn't like you would see on tv with like hoarders and stuff she didn't have piles of newspaper or rotting anything it was clean Mm. it was just really really full like i you couldn't see the walls because every wall had a bookshelf on it like Mm. the whole wall Mm. every bookshelf was stacked to maximum capacity and i just don't mean from like left to right i mean left to right top to bottom front to back yeah. things were hanging off yeah. and in some cases the shelves were actually bowing because with so the weight now if, if that's not a metaphor i don't know what is <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's powerful so, isn't it it's a powerful yeah. but so much clutter so and much bowing under the weight and the mm-hmm. pressure of so much stuff so yes very so, powerful
1: metaphor exactly and you know, despite the fact that everything looked nice, like everything had or appeared to have a place, yeah. she actually had multiple copies of some things that she wasn't aware she had. If I opened a cupboard, like out of sight, if I opened a cupboard, it was chaos, mm. utter chaos. Did not make sense to anyone, including her. And I was finding weird things like empty DVD cases, as in the CD, the disc wasn't there, nor was the cover. It's just empty. But they were everywhere because she thought she had to keep them just in case. So I'm I'm not equipped to diagnose hoarding, but there's definitely some tendencies that were there. That whole experience, you know, she couldn't take everything with her and I had to declutter for her and in consultation with her over the phone. And that that was it was hard. Yeah. It was hard for me and I could see how hard it was on her. There was a lot of emotion in that. There was a lot of pain in that, and by the end of it, my husband had taken two weeks off work to look after our young kids so that I could be there at least 12 hours a day doing this job for two weeks. We had a weekend-long garage sale, and I say garage, it was the whole house. We'd packed everything, and then I just opened the doors, and I said, come in, Mm. you know, take what you want, basically. We donated as much as we could elsewhere, and... I still ended up with enough of her clutter back at my house that I felt I needed to keep. So much so we had to build a new shed. So all of that was very, very stressful, right? It was a lot for everyone involved. But once that was done and the keys were handed back and I came home, I had this sort of unsettled feeling like, It wasn't anxiety. There was just this energy in me that I had to keep going, like an itch that I couldn't scratch. And I kept decluttering my own stuff. And I started to run out of things to declutter in my house. And I started to bug my friends. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) Because they'd be talking about having having too much, or they were inspired by what I'd been doing. And I was like, I can help you with that. Let me tell you what I've learnt. Because in amongst it all, you know, because I had always as a child been interested in, Productivity and organization and stuff. I've been absorbing that information my whole life, and then when it comes to these big decluttering for my mother and then for myself, I was absorbing even more information. I'd read anything I could. I listened to as many podcasts as I could. I just sucked it all in, yep. and then I was just ready to distribute it to anyone who would listen. You <laughs> cannot shut me up about this stuff. And eventually, one of my
0: evangelist, friends, the decluttering, yeah, a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that. Eventually, one of my friends was like, I, th- I think it might have been her way of saying, "Leave me alone. I don't want your help." But she did. She had. She did want my help, and we did work out some things for her. Her home that she, I believe she still uses. But she said, "You know, you can charge for this, right? Like people want this." I'm like, "No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just tidying up. Like I'm just throwing stuff out. Like it's not, it's not that hard." But you know what? It is. It was hard for me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Can I
0: just, because I know there's more to your story. No, no, please. The thing that I think we, you know where how people come into your life and you connect with people? Mm -hmm. What you have just described is similar experience that I've been through, my brothers and I have been through with my father. My father was an only child. Uh, My mum was an only child and she passed away when I was young. Mm -hmm. So he had a lot of her stuff. Then he inherited his parents' stuff. And he didn't know what to do with it. And the same sort of thing, like, I'm not equipped to diagnose the hoarding, but it Mm -hmm. was an, I would say, inverted commas, an illness for Mm -hmm. dad. Mm -hmm. The same sort of thing. He had multiple, when we were clearing up multiples of things that Mm -hmm. I think that he had just forgotten that he'd had it. And it was a really tough, stressful process with the emotion. It's like, how do you remove things, how do you organize things when we've got our own stuff at home and give honour to what was important to Dad but also about how do you go through because it brought up a whole lot of emotions and even you talking about it now
1: it's like oh you can't feel it can't you?
0: Yeah. Yeah but John's mum's just passed my husband's mum's just passed away recently and it was a very different experience because she had there was still a lot of stuff to go through, but she had done a lot of that organising herself. Yeah. And there wasn't, for my dad, I think it was a lot of, he had things because it reminded him of the past. He didn't want, he was hanging on to stuff, whereas yeah. John's mum yeah. was in a very different space and not hanging on. So the emo. it was still emotional. So, sorry, so I, I can absolutely sorry. feel, and I think our listeners, there'll be lots of listeners that I know in my world are going through similar Things or about to, so pick up where I cut you off. In um, you can charge for this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that that starts to get into the yeah. the idea of it being a, a business, and yeah. which was very exciting. And I mean, I could talk for ages about how I went from just this thing that I love doing to a business that I yeah. that I love doing as yeah. well. Yeah. But I, I do actually want to go back to, to talking <laughs> about your experience there because. Yeah. you're right it's not just you like everyone goes through this at some point to one degree or another we all have to deal with the loss of a person and okay to be fair my mum has not passed but I did have to go through a grieving process um, and there is so much more to that story that is just not the time or place but yeah, there's a, there's a process that is sort of gaining a lot of popularity, especially in the aging population it's called Swedish death cleaning. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that might be what your mother-in-law has done. Or, Do you want or to
0: explain you? that? Because I'm, I'm familiar with that. Some of our listeners may not yeah. be. Yeah.
1: So, well, at its, at its rawest, it's essentially accepting that at some point you're going to die and you don't want to leave the crap in your home yeah. for someone else to deal with. Yep. so it 's considered a responsibility and a kindness to your next of kin that they don 't have to question every tiny little thing you you own. Yeah. You know there are some people who do treasure the tiniest little things, and that 's okay. You treasure whatever works like what, whatever means something yeah, to definitely. you is a treasure but you know i 've got heaps of stuff i 'm not a minimalist. I have heaps of stuff that I love that I find beautiful, but i don 't care one way or another. If anyone keeps it after I'm gone, it's there for my enjoyment and that's it.
0: Oh, I love hearing that. I love hearing, you know, I love hearing that, that you've got a lot of stuff. (laughs) because I think sometimes we think, you know, people who are organized and decluttering experts, that they don't have anything in Mm. their their house. But it's what you've said there is about the meaning that it has for you and it has for you. It's not about the pressure for kids to do stuff. Actually, there's a company – oh, I'll keep that in my mind for a minute because I want to ask you about some of that um, term that you mentioned to me about heirloom decluttering, and that's exactly what we've been going through. My grandmother, gosh, some 20 years ago, in the lead-up to her passing away, she – very practical, and she would go through all the important things in her house, like all the teacups, and she would say, I was given this by so-and-so on my 21st birthday – I was, you know, I want this one to go to you. I want these ones to go to your brothers. And even though we kind of think we really want them, yeah. but the thing for me was that she was able to share that meaning about what they are. Mm. Some of the things that I'm going through with dad, I'm not sure. Yeah. It's kind of like it's stuff that looks nice.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't know where that's come from. I don't know if that's a, a thing of importance or not.
1: Well, I suppose the question then is, okay, if even if it did hold some importance to Dad, Mm. if he didn't tell you about it, Mm. and if neither you nor any of your siblings or anyone else close to him has any connection to it, it doesn't hold that meaning anymore.
0: So what do you do with this stuff? Like we've given some away, we've marketplaced stuff. What do you do with photos, Lauren? What do you do with family um, photos that look like they're historical? I mean, they are. Yeah. 1,800. And you go,
1: who the freak
0: is that in the photo? Yeah, well,
1: there's all sorts of things you can do with it. Firstly, I want to say that you can actually throw them out. A lot of people are going to go, ah, can't do that. <laughs> because, like, it, similar with books, if you see a really old book or a really old photograph, you're like, wow, that must have some significance, yeah. especially, you know, old books and photos They weren't cheap. They weren't easy to get. They're rare, right? Mm. So we feel like we can't get rid of them. Mm. With Something like books, yeah, you can donate them. You can give them to libraries. There are definitely things you can do. But photos are really hard because they only mean something to the people in the photos or the people who knew those people. You know, I can even see a photo of like my great-great-grandmother, assuming one exists. My great-grandmother, I've definitely seen photos of. And I can guess who she is based on who the other people are in the photo, and maybe somebody's once upon a time told me a story about this particular photograph. But really, as sad as it might seem, really doesn't mean anything to me. You know? Yeah. I, I don't I can't tell you anything about her. Mm. And that that is really a hard pill to swallow because we want to think that our lives are important. Yeah. We want to think feel like we're leaving some sort of legacy and that people are going to care about us long after we die. You know what? Some of us, that might be true. And some of us might have amazing families that will continue our stories forever. They're going to get twisted. They're not going to remember us exactly as we are. They're just not. And if you pick up a photograph that you found in your dad's stuff and you don't know any of the people in there and you can ask your brother and he'll say, no, no idea. Um, it doesn't matter. It's
0: a thing I life. think there, I, I get that, and no, I really like hearing that part of me goes these are old photos they possibly have some maybe you've just answered that maybe historic talking about historical importance yeah am i if i throw it out am i making a decision on something i don't know where that
1: so are you on. denying somebody else yes. Yes. something yes. in yes. some yes. way well potentially but it's very unlikely that anyone's ever going to notice. Like if you don't know who it is, nobody's going to come knocking on your door one day and say you will have a photo from, you know, (laughs) eighteen twenty of this person who I've just tracked down through Ancestry or something. Like, you know, it's one of those things that if you find it and you understand it, it can be really cool, but it's very unlikely that anyone's going to come looking for it. So hey, if, if you would like it to go somewhere that it's going to be useful, you can talk to historical societies in the area that they maybe grew up in. Yeah. So a lot of local libraries are connected to yeah. historical societies. If you have a photograph that you think might be related to some sort of war effort or a particular event, local museums like to have those kind of things. It's especially handy If you've got, you know, in grandma's writing on the back, some sort of details, because even if those details mean nothing to you, they might help the people in the historical society. And people who do that kind of thing really love the sort of uh, Mystery-solving aspect, you know, they might recognize a uniform or a face or a sign in the background and connect it to something else, yeah. and and then you might be able to find out a little bit about it, which is really cool. But it doesn't necessarily mean you have to keep it in your possession forever and ever and ever.
0: And that's what I think. Uh, that's what I really love hearing there. And what for me, it's taking a lot of energy mm. in going. I don't know what the freak to do with this. I yeah. don't want to, if I dispose of it, I mean, I could quite easily throw them out, burn them. Yeah. Yeah. There's a part of me that goes, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's about moving them on yeah. because the energy, energy of them being here for me is a stuck yes. Energy. And that would be something that you would experience a lot, isn't it? That So
1: often. Of the benefits of decluttering, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that, that stuck energy. Like, okay, we were talking before we hit record. I'm in my bedroom recording because this is where we get the best sound. And at the moment, my bedroom is not neat and tidy. I have <laughs> piles of notebooks because <laughs> I'm in the middle of a project. Yeah. I have another pile of things that came out of my suitcase when we came back from holiday, and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. And that's what clutter is. It's unmade decisions, right? It's, I'm putting this here for now and I'll get back to it later. And later like, is kind of a generic sometime between now and forever, you know, there's, there's <laughs> no set time, right? Yeah. So that kind of overwhelming stuck feeling like I can't use this space for what I intended because this is in my way. The clutter is something between me now and what I want to do. Yeah. So the stuff you're going through with, with your father's stuff and your, your mother-in-law's stuff, you know, it's not necessarily that you dislike it, but it's not contributing to your life and it's actually getting in your way. And that's true whether it's sitting on front of your desk and like you couldn't see the camera right now. That's, that's in your way, but it's also in your way if it's in the garage and you can't park the car anymore because then you're not using that space the way you intended. You don't have to see it for it to be clutter. Yeah. And I feel like I might have lost your question in there. No, so
0: what you, you know, you're exactly, cause I was talking about moving it on and that stuck in moving it on. You're
1: yes. So things being
0: in the, the, the clutter. I loved what you said there about clutter equates to unmade decisions. Yeah. And for yeah. me, the energy. So there's physical clutter. Mm-hmm. There's the mental clutter yeah. and the emotional. So Things that we're hanging on to that are getting in the way of where we want to be.
1: Yeah. And you and I actually touched on this a little bit when we were speaking in person because so I I got into this in terms of the physical clutter. Like there were physical things standing in the way of myself and the people in my life. Those are relatively easy to deal with. They're not easy. They're still hard. We've just discussed how some of them like heirloom clutter is really hard, Mm. really hard. But it's hard to get rid of anything. Everything came into your home for a reason, you know, so it's hard to get rid of it. It's lots and lots of decisions. I often use the example of like a receipt, you know, a receipt is one tiny scrap of paper, right? But if I pick up a receipt and I think, do I need to keep this? Firstly, I need to look at where did it come from? How old is it? Do I need to return that item? Is do I need it for tax? Do I need it for insurance? Do I need it for I don't know a million other things. That's like that's like ten questions already on one piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So how do we deal with a thousand questions on a thousand different objects in our house? That's complicated. Mm-hmm. But that is so much easier than dealing with the emotional clutter that has been built up inside us our entire lives. Like we started by saying that I needed everything to be perfect. There is some clutter going on in there that I am still dealing with. There's been clutter in my head as there is in everyone's. There's the stories we've been told. There's the stories we tell ourselves. There's the negative thoughts. There's just the flat out lies. There's all sorts of stuff. And that is hard to deal with because you can't see it. You can't hold it up and say, do I need this for tax purposes? You don't.
0: (laughs) But what you can do is... How is this benefiting me in life?
1: Do you've, got to, you've got to be that able to see it first, it, don't you? Yeah. You have to be able to recognize that it's there. And so often we're not even aware of the mm-hmm. clutter that's happening in our minds, in, in our emotions. So that is definitely something that has taken me a bit longer to deal with than the physical stuff. But by learning how to deal with the physical clutter, it started to open up space physically and mentally for me to recognize the patterns I see in my own life, in my, in my head yeah. or in my behavior. And I can talk to myself as though it's an object. I can have, like, I can pick out, this is a pattern I'm seeing. Yeah. Why? why? Why did that come into my life in the first place? Do I still need to keep it? What can I do with it now? Mm-hmm. It is a more complicated process, but it is the same okay. process. I
0: think it's the, same. It I, is the I, same. I think there are elements that are the same. And it's about the stuff that's in the way. Exactly. Where we want to be and the stuff, it can be physical, mental, emotional, you know, a whole range of things. And it's recognising also the energy that it takes with that stagnant yeah. stuff that we're not doing anything with, the unmade decisions, the things that are just sitting there.
1: Yeah.
0: To me, that's stagnant energy. And for us yeah. to move forward in life, we need to actually clear it some movement and clear it. And I I know when I have a lot of stuff, I have a lot of stuff in my house too and would like to remove some of that. But when it's all out of place, I feel overwhelmed and it's almost like a reflection of my thinking. Mm-hmm. It's like when my house is really messy, untidy, yeah. so are my thoughts. My thoughts mm-hmm. are kind of all over the place. So sometimes yeah. the clearing up yeah. can help my thoughts to get clearer. Yeah. Sometimes getting my thoughts a little bit clearer can also help with the physical.
1: Absolutely. I find it has it kind of has to happen hand in hand because if you focus too much on I must clear this space, you're kind of blocking yourself from clearing your mental space. Right? So you've got to do both. You do a little bit out on the external and a little bit on the internal. Sometimes they happen at the same time, oh, yeah. like yeah. while I'm doing like you can do it as a mindfulness activity while I'm washing the dishes and also clearing away negative thoughts. Or, like yeah. you can you can yeah. consciously choose it that way. But for a lot of my clients and my students, it sort of comes more accidentally than that. Like they found that they focused first, like this part's really important. I must clear my kitchen bench like that's where I'm starting. So they clear their kitchen bench and then then they can stop and breathe. Yeah. And suddenly, these new ideas about other things that have been bothering them, but they couldn't really pinpoint that that sort of, it is kind the, of the, the, era. Up the next bit for them. yeah. Kind of, so yeah. then they can work on something new that or not new, but something that they've just noticed yeah. so new to them. They can work through that they can journal it out, they can talk it out with a group. they can move on like they can declutter those thoughts, right And then they have the mental energy again to go back and do the next part of their home. Yeah. And it just becomes this wonderful cycle. And it is a cycle because there's no finish line. I agree no finish line. It. Like I said, my house, like at the moment, it's not perfect. But I do know what I need to do to get it back the way I like it. And like you said, the longer I leave it messy, the more complicated my head is going to get. And I'm going to start to make mistakes that I haven't made in a long time. You know, I'm going to start to forget things. I'm going to start to lose things. I'm going to start to get frustrated and snappy. And all of these things that seemed normal once upon a time, and they're normal for a lot of people to be, you know, short-tempered, to be forgetful, to be late just to be overwhelmed and stressed all the time, that's actually not normal and it doesn't need to be that way. Yeah. yeah. You know?
0: There were two things that popped into my mind. I can remember one of them. And one of them was about decluttering became kind of trendy with the Marie Kondo, you know, process, you know, Marie Kondo. I find that process a bit restrictive for me. Mm-hmm. And I, what I loved when we were chatting off air, is you said whatever works for the person. Exactly. Tell me more about that, because I that appeals to me.
1: Yeah. That so, I I very much think that, okay, it's kind of like di- like diets. Yeah. Okay. Everyone has been on a diet at some point. Everyone has had. Or like, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. I was just speaking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you lived it all through the nineties, you know that that diets were life, right? You were always yeah. on some kind of crazy restrictive diet. And fortunately, that kind of culture is shifting now, which is wonderful. But every diet works for somebody. Yes. It doesn't mean that there is a diet that works for everybody because there's not. It. Yeah. You know, you and I could eat exactly the same food. We could do exactly the same movement and we're still going to have completely different body sizes, shapes whatever. There is not a single diet that will work for everyone. The same is true for, frankly, I believe everything. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, everything. If something's not working for you, it doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean you're not doing it right. It means that wasn't the way for you. Love it. So when the Maricondo books came out, I did read the first one quite early on and I found it a little bit cultish. I did enjoy it. There were a lot of points in there that I found very useful and I still use with some clients because some of those points do work for some people. But I tried to follow the whole thing myself. I was like, I can't teach this to people if I don't know it myself. I did some of it thoroughly. Like I did the whole, get every single piece of clothing you own out and throw it on the bed, get every single book you own and put it on the floor in front of you. I did it. I followed her rules to the letter because, you know, I I really like to find a perfect system. If if (laughs) it were perfect, I would be here promoting it. But to me yeah it was a little too prescriptive
0: yeah
1: i liked the idea of how it makes you feel you know the yeah. the it's become quite a meme the sparks joy
0: gotcha. and I, but i, I like yeah, it i like that
1: too that works really like well that. for me but overall the this is what you must start with and this is how it must go and then she kind of had some backlash a couple of years ago when she created a store with some very high priced items in it because everyone saw her as a minimalist and you shouldn't have these unnecessary things and expensive stuff is unnecessary. But to her credit, it was totally on brand for her because they were things that were very, very high quality that spark joy for her. That doesn't mean it's going to spark joy for anybody else. You know, you don't need several hundred dollars on a singing bowl unless you really love singing bowls. And this one makes the perfect sound for you owning the singing bowl, not going to bring you joy.
0: Yeah. That's so true, isn't it and i i I think for me, being so prescriptive, mm-hmm. and I find that also with like my coaching practice and with my clients, I'm very much about you do you, yeah, actually, my daughter said this to me, oh God, I don't know when however many years ago she said, Mum, you do you, I'll do me It's like love it, good on you, yes, and yeah. and that's kind of the philosophy in my coaching is about you know be authentic to who you are. Mm-hmm don't do what works for you in life yeah. you know that there exactly. are some things that bring joy for you in life there are some things that don't then you do that it's not up to me into mm-hmm. being prescriptive in what you should do yeah. and I do while we're on that a little bit I do have a few challenges with some coaches that have very structured approach but that works for some of their clients I guess yeah as well so it's about yeah. Yeah, so I love, I resonate with what you're saying there about what works for the individuals. Absolutely. And you as a, a coach can mm. kind of tap into that and then help the individuals to tap into their motives as well.
1: That's right. Because yeah, there, there is no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And what works for you is not necessarily going to work for me, but we can share information. I can say this is what worked for me and this is what yeah. somebody suggested, but it didn't sit right for me because yeah. So I can learn from your experience. I can learn from your mistakes yeah. and then I can discuss mine with you and maybe we both come out with a little more, you know, yeah. you yeah. tell me that this didn't work for you because X, Y, Z and I'm like, whoa, but I, that, that would actually yeah. really work. Yeah. That That's yeah. work that yeah. I'll give it a go. Yeah. And, you know, in my, in my courses, in my teaching, I I talk about declutter, D-C-L-T-R, dream curate learn try and reset and the really important one there is reset yeah. you know if if we just keep heading towards the exact same goal all the time and keep trying the same thing that we learnt before you're going to find yourself getting stuck you're going to start beating yourself up because you know i read the book that everyone said was like the be all and end all and the book promises <laughs> that this will be a once and done and i'll never have to do it again yeah. bullshit yeah bullshit the only reason you are ever going to have to stop mm-hmm. dealing with your stuff is when you're dead
0: yeah. yeah no i i absolutely 100% agree and it's interesting that we approach really you and i are about helping people to you know find I'm their own their life and yeah. you know and be the best versions of themselves and you do it through, through a decluttering lens i do mm-hmm. it through a finding joy and happiness lens yeah. um, that the first part in a happiness for life framework that I share with my clients is to create space for new beginnings. And it's about, how do we do that? <laughs> really? It's about look at what you've got. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? What's getting in the way? of yeah. you being where you want to be and getting rid of some of that old stuff and old beliefs, mm-hmm. old patterns,
1: mm-hmm.
0: old things, Yep. you know things that aren't working for you. So really, we're talking about same thing. Same thing, but we're same doing thing. it through different lenses, which exactly. is almost modelling what we're talking about, which is kind of super cool as well. Yeah,
1: yes, yeah. because if if starting with the what makes me happy, like well, you if you don't know, yeah. if you don't know what makes you happy, and yeah. there are some people who who yeah. don't. Yeah. I know I didn't for a very long time. Yeah. If you don't know what makes you happy, okay, so let's start with what what's in your way. Yeah. Okay, it's hard to know. Like you said, you need to know where you're getting to to figure out. It's kind of like where
0: are I, where am I, where are I, where am I and where would I I be in some things. Can I, the the other thing that I had thought of and forgotten and then thought of again (laughs) is you mentioned about on that quest for being perfect. Yeah. Tell me more about perfectionism because I think a lot of our listeners will relate. They might not want to be there might be closet perfectionists. Yeah. <laughs> what does being a perfectionist mean for you and how does that show up in your life?
1: Ah, oh, It shows up a lot less now than it used to. It's funny, when you said that, I sort of had a quick spin back to very early university. I studied um, economics and one of my early... I know, I get that look a lot. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. yeah. One of my very early economics professors said... It was was basically trying to weed out those that fit in the course and those that were not going to get it. And they said, you're not just a perfectionist, you're like anally retentive. (laughs) And the not the literal meaning but the the psychological meaning. (laughs) Psychological meaning is if I can't get it perfect, I'm not going to do it at all. Okay, and that's where we end up with clutter.
0: Oh my God, that, tell me more about that. I've got a client Mm at the moment Mm -hmm. that has held herself back Mm -hmm. because they're almost the words that she said. If I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that the concept so when he said that to, well, he said it to the class, but it was definitely to me. <laughs> right, right at me. Yeah. If I can't get it perfect, I'm just not going to try. The problem with that is you're not going to get anywhere because no. nothing is perfect. No. No, There's no, never no. going to be a perfect time. There's never going to be a perfect place. No, you know, no, no. you can't like, I mean, I, I wanted to plan a barbecue for last weekend, but the weather didn't look good. So I didn't do it. Weather was bloody perfect and <laughs> oh my God. I put it off. I put it off. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, if you know something is definitely not going to work, like I'm not going to plan a barbecue when I when the forecast is for, like, a snowstorm or something, that would be stupid. But if I'm just going to avoid starting my business or avoid throwing something out or avoid tidying my room right now because I don't have time to finish the whole thing, I'm never going to get on top of it. So a a smaller, maybe easier to understand for everyone idea would be the dishes, right? Mm -hmm. We all eat. We all make dishes, like dirty dishes. We need to clean them so that they're ready for our next meal, right? If you have a meal and, you know, say there's four people in your family, you've got four plates, four forks, four knives, whatever pots and pans you used to cook with, and you put them on the side of the bench and you go, I don't have time to do that right now. Mm -hmm. Well, by the next time you look at it, You've had another meal and there's twice as much to do. And you definitely don't have time to do two loads of dishes right now. So if you wait until the end of the day and you've got last night's dinner, you've got this morning's breakfast, you've got the kids' lunch boxes, it all piles up, you really have to dedicate a huge chunk of time to getting these dishes done, right? Whereas if you stop in the morning and go, I don't have time to do all of it, but I can definitely put some of that in the dishwasher or i can wash just the glasses or i can rinse one cup like it doesn't matter if you do a little bit then you've got a little bit less to do later and then you don't have this mounting pile you know if you say i don't have time to clean my room well yeah you probably don't because it's been months and it's months because you've left it yeah because you've left it so yeah you're not going to have time but if you keep putting it off, it's never ever gonna get done. And I think I know the book you just picked up.
0: I've just got that progress over that uh, perfection. Have you got it there too? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Emma, Emma Norris, little yeah. shout out to Emma who was at the the conference. But to me that's my philosophy and I what I was also gonna mention there too, Lauren, is Mill Robbins about the five second rule. Yes. About just five, four, three, two, one, do it. Yep. Like just yep. that for me that's been a huge game changer. Yeah is to do a little bit yeah, and uh, it's about not doing, having to get it right all in one bit. Mm-hmm. It's about
1: progress is better than perfection. Exactly. Yeah. And that is a very nice summary of it, progress yes. over yeah. perfect. Yeah. And there's many ways of looking at it, you know, yeah. just a little bit. And I do go through this um, often with clients as well. It's just, yeah. like, we don't have to do it all now, but we're just going to do some of it. And my best example of, of success with that is my kids. So, Both of my kids are autistic and my daughter especially really struggles with being given a direction and then sticking to it. So at her worst, I can't even tell her, go to your room, grab your shoes and bring back your school bag because that's that's too many things. Too many words, too much input. I just, I say shoes. And she's like, right, got it. She can do shoes. But if I send her to brush her teeth and get into her pajamas, she'll come out half an hour later With, like, roller skates on. (laughs) Yeah. What happened? she got to her room and she couldn't remember anymore. So I'm not going to pick up her room for her her entire life. In fact, I'm not even – I wasn't prepared to do it when she was five. I'm like, if your arms work and your feet work, you can do this. (laughs) Love it. You know, I am a very lazy person, Catherine. I'm really lazy and I'm not, I don't want to change that. I quite like lazy. So that means somebody else has got to do it if if at all possible. So for my daughter, I recognised that she liked repetition. What kids don't like, you know, a bit of a song and a dance. And so I basically just started chanting to her like a cheerleader. Pick something up. Yeah. Where does it go? Yeah. And then, okay, what next? And I can get really, like, play school pigtails annoying with this kind of thing. I can repeat that on loop for however long it takes. Now, okay, to be fair, she's nearly 11.
0: Yeah.
1: For years, I haven't had to go beyond pick something up Cause because if I say it like that, she knows that the truth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, I mean, she's not perfect. None of us are. But most people who have seen her room are confused by the fact that I am saying that she needs more help because by most people's standards, pretty good for a 10 year old girl.
0: (laughs) But you know what I hear there, Lauren, Mm. is that you understand your daughter and her needs Mm -hmm. and you've been able to adapt and help her to be able to do things herself. And that's, I I guess, if we bring that back to Mm -hmm. the organising and decluttering, Mm -hmm. the process there is the same for people that maybe do feel overwhelmed. And Mm -hmm. as we've talked about in this chat, it can be tough. It can be really tough. And for some people that do feel really overwhelmed and not even sure where to start, Mm -hmm. having independent eyes, I think, is a great assistance Mm -hmm. to be able to help people to navigate that experience that journey and whether it's the heirloom decluttering or just Mm. general what you've got going on in your own life yeah I think that's a a great support before we end up I just want to because there's been lots of there's been lots of tips kind of woven through here Mm. what would you say your top three are in relation to decluttering and organising. Do you have a top three?
1: Number one, definitely. Just just start where you can with as little as you can, like we were just saying. And, you know, that chant that I do for my daughter, I shared that during lockdown on on a Facebook Live, like as an off the cuff, hadn't really planned to add it in. I had so many messages about that. I even had one woman who messaged me to tell me that her husband had overheard it in the background and she had caught him singing it to himself oh. as he tidied the kitchen. And it, awesome. and he never tidies the kitchen. Hang on, I'll do it as annoying as I can. Pick something up. Where does it go? Okay, what's next? Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. The more annoying and like Elmo-ish you are, the better yeah. I think. It really gets stuck <laughs> in your head that way. My next tip would be: it it never hurts to ask. Yeah. So ask for help. Yeah. If you're not feeling supported by the the family or people in your home or something like that, if you feel judged, if you if you're not feeling good about your decluttering or organizing efforts, then they're not the right support for you. Yes. And you I, need to yes, look for something I think something that's
0: else. lovely. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think that's the same with any support in your life. Yeah. If it doesn't feel right, don't just it's do good. it because somebody yeah. said do it. Yeah. And don't do it if you feel that you're being judged
1: or, mm.
0: and this isn't just the decluttering. Anything. I think anything. Anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're not feeling supported, you're not getting support. Yeah. So ask for help. You can ask for a coach. You can, you know, call Catherine or myself. Yeah. Ask for a coach. Yeah. You can outsource. You know, almost anything can be outsourced. So that I'm a huge fan of outsourcing. Whatever will get something off my plate is is a win. So, yeah, asking for help, start where you are. Oh, and try and enjoy it. Make it as fun as possible. Because it can be a bit of a a
0: slog and a chore depending on, you know, what the the, the process of it is. And do – what I really like hearing too is about – Really practical tips, Mm -hmm. like just do what you can do, and don't put pressure on yourselves. don't Don't expect that you have to have it perfect. As we said, progress is you know better than perfect, Mm -hmm. and just get in and have a go and do it. So, where can people find you, Lauren?
1: I'm a bit everywhere. I think the best place is usually Instagram. All the newest stuff goes to Instagram first. So I'm just at Lauren Windsor, and Windsor is W-I-N-Z-A-R. Yeah, and we've got that in the show notes if people follow that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can also find me on Facebook, my website, which is just laurenwindsor.com.au and yeah, just reach out to me. I'm a normal human person. You can send me a DM or or text message or something and we'll figure out what's going on for you and how I might be able to help you.
0: Oh, that would be awesome, Lauren. And there's so much that, gosh, there's so much we covered and so much that we didn't cover, but people I would 100% suggest follow Lauren for tips and also just to reach out and ask the advice if you feel that you want some advice around it some people don't some people have got this all sorted and that's completely oh. cool as well
1: oh, in which case send me some advice like, <laughs> yeah, even if I don't love. need it I'm yeah, always I'm looking love. for ideas for other people if you've found the perfect way to do something I'm, yeah. I'm happy to admit I was wrong and there is a perfect way let me know <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah same so Lauren thank you so much for that I really appreciate the time thank other you for having happiness me. to you and we'll see you around Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club, and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link Working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.